0: We have yet another Down the Hatch podcast, and today we have a different kind of topic. We're not talking about swallowing physiology necessarily, we are talking about the relationship between speech pathologists and radiology when doing modified barium swallow studies. Um, As you guys know, I'm Ianessa Humbert. I'm one of the founders, creators
1: of Down the Hatch. Of course, we have Alicia Vos. Hi, everybody. You all know me by now, PhD student at the University of Florida under Dr. Ianessa Humbert. And our special guest is Jen Serrera.
0: And Jen, I'm gonna ask you to introduce yourself to us.
2: Hi, I'm Jen Serrera. I am one of the technical directors in our radiology department. I've been a technologist for 20 years. This is my 20th year as a tech. So I started out as a staff tech and worked my way through the department doing a variety of different responsibilities. I've been involved in quality control, I've been involved in PACS, and most recently the technical director.
0: Cool, so how many years would you say, or how much experience do you have actually running the machine, operating the machine for swallowing studies? I
2: started in 97, and I would say probably at least the first eight years of my career I was a diagnostic technologist. Most facilities, their diagnostic techs rotate through regular x-rays and fluoroscopy. So we'll, we'll get familiar with a C-arm type exam in the OR, and in our actual fluoroscopy department is where we run the fixed equipment for mm-hmm. the swallowing studies. Okay. So it was never my permanent location in fluoro, but we all rotated through, so I certainly participated doing a lot of those kind of studies. And, and I audit the studies today. I did some training. Part of my career was in our QC and I did a lot of training for the technologist. Um, we have coordinators in our fluoro area so they do first-hand training and then I would audit different exams and watch as
0: well. And when you say QC you mean quality control?
2: Absolutely, right. quality control. Okay. Both and, from an image quality perspective and a workflow perspective.
0: Okay, so when you say you audit, tell us more about what that involves for a swallowing study.
2: I'm gonna look at the workflow. I'm gonna look at, from start to finish, what was the process when the tech received the order from the speech pathologist, how that process is through our department, the scheduling component, getting the, it on the schedule versus an inpatient and an outpatient, having the right supplies available, the equipment, when the patient arrives, Typically, most cooperations with swallowing studies in radiology, were the hosting department. So a patient will come to radiology to do the check-in component for the actual study. So we'll get them ready for the study. The speech pathologist is there. They have their equipment that they're prepping. And then so I will just observe, in a sense, watch that from start to finish. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Great. So um, I'm going to start with this question, which is probably the most obvious burning question of speech pathologists who are listening, and that is uh, sometimes speech pathologists feel like they have a difficult relationship with radiology. This does not include every speech pathologist. There are some speech pathologists who report how grateful they are for the relationship they have with maybe one or two radiologists who really give them the space to sort of run the study and be the following expert. But there are many who um, are concerned that there is a different language that the two groups are speaking. Everyone is doing the best they can for the patient, but sometimes a speech pathologist feels like they're um, at the, is the word behest? Is that the word? At the mercy. At the mercy, at the mercy of radiology, um, whether they understand swallowing or not. So I'm just curious about whether that's one side, because it could very well be that this is something that is mostly in our heads, mm-hmm. uh, that doesn't necessarily translate to radiology. What do you think?
2: I can see both sides of it. I will say for my experiences, we host a lot of different kind of exams, not just speech swallowing studies. So of course we have all patients in mind and it's a different workflow within patients versus outpatients. As as you know, you guys kind of do a counseling session with the patient prior to their swallow study. If it's an outpatient, it's probably in your office of some kind and then they're brought to radiology. So I can see that being kind of a difficulty in in the sense of the relationship. I would say to me, probably the hardest part is that you guys can't just run the fluoro by yourself. <laughs> um, I, I think that, you know, from a regulation standpoint, that's where the resident is required to have when you're in a hospital situation, an outpatient imaging center might have different regulations. Sure. You know, I've, I live in the hospital world, and so we have to follow those guidelines. Uh, I hope that, and my belief is that the technologist at least, you know, starting the case is hosting it in the sense of being the advocate for the speech pathologist to help with the patient. What do you need? What can I get you? Is there any supplies you don't have? We try to make sure we have everything available. I typically see the speech pathologist setting up the room mm-hmm. um, because they're going to set up the different consistency thicknesses of the different barium components, the crackers, et cetera. So I hope to think that we are the extension of the speech pathologist, but mm-hmm. it physically just occurs in radiology.
0: You know, I think what just because I feel like I'll then jump to you, Alicia, I think that you're right. I wasn't very clear. When I say at the mercy of, I don't know that any speech pathologist has any concern about the red tech in particular. Uh, right. That's my that's my experience, my understanding. Mm-hmm. It has more to do with the system of the way that radiology works, and maybe it's a little bit more uh, above your um, level of control. But um, certainly, you're sort of in the middle, which is why we love having you mm-hmm. here. You're not exactly, you know, the chair of radiology where maybe they have to defend sure. their decisions. Sure, but you're also not the SLP where you're at the end of the day mm-hmm. you're responsible for the patient swallowing. So I think perhaps some of the general issues are um, time. Right? So some people just say, access to the room. Access to okay. the floor mm-hmm. in the first place mm-hmm. is a big one. Uh, and that's huge. And that's I'm sure, every, and as mm-hmm. you say, um, you said something in particular that I hadn't thought of. Um, you're the hosting department for and a so, lot of exactly. studies. Exactly. So you're mm-hmm. the hosting department. Mm-hmm. I don't know that a lot of people appreciate that radiology is a hosting department for so many different we are, things. And we are considered an ancillary
2: service department. So we we are not con- I mean we're part of the operations of the hospital as an ancillary service. Hmm. So we don't hold our own clinics per se. We're not referring our own patients. We get referrals from every single department in the hospital. So for fluoro, some of the some of the studies historically have migrated towards CT imaging and MRI imaging. There's a lot of studies that still happen in fluoroscopy pediatric studies, a lot of them they'll start with that sometimes the radiation is a consideration. Will they get less radiation doing one test versus the other? So as as lovely as it would be to have a dedicated room for every speech pathologist to get in and out, you know, that from a hospital perspective, it's a challenge to do only because we have so many people trying to request time in our room. So I can certainly see that. You're not the first to say that's a challenge. It's not just you guys, um, your group. It's it's every service is always vying for time in the room. I'm
0: glad I, for that perspective. It's, I think it's good for people to understand, I didn't, re- I mean, I really didn't realize that you guys, I mean, obviously you don't do clinics. I mean, it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense, but a radiologist is still a physician, so I think mm-hmm. sometimes we think of them as a primary care, not a primary care, sure. but you know, somebody who would do clinics, so to speak, sure. but really... When we think about your department as an mm-hmm. ancillary department, it's not terribly different from, say, billing, right? Correct. Or administration, Correct. where you know that they can, they're not just in charge of SLPs, they're in charge right. of the whole hospital. And right. when you think of
2: radiology, in my past lectures, our product is a report.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That
2: is our product. That's what you get as a takeaway. There are certain areas of radiology that have interventional components um, where they'll place a stent or place a line type of thing, but the majority of our stuff... Somebody needs to find out an answer to their question, and they'll send them for the test. We do the test based on the interpretation, your answers, and your report. So that's the difference, I think.
1: I think, it, I think to take a step back a little bit in talking about the challenges with radiology, there's this one important question that I think a lot of speech pathologists ask that's unique to swallow studies and fluoroscopy is the idea of who needs to be in the room for fluoroscopy. So Mm -hmm. when I worked at Johns Hopkins Hospital, it was an attending radiologist that did every single swallow study with us. Now that was a very different dynamic than here at University of Florida, I have a radiology resident doing Mm -hmm. every single flora with me. I've never been in a situation where it's just me and a radiation tech. Correct. Um, And I'm curious, because there are a lot of studies in radiology where it is the, the technician that's running the equipment. And, and I'm curious the distinction between what is it about swallow studies that requires a resident or requires an attending. You said, um, and I love that you said that, you know, as a tech, we're an extension of speech pathology. And I think that relationship is really strong between speech pathologists and um, radiology techs. We have a tech in our lab, and the dynamic and the collaboration is, is amazing. And it's very consistent, it's typically, very consistent. you know, you're
2: going to have more of a
0: consistent partnership between the tech that's and the it, speech pathologist. That's the pathologist. Perfect part of it mm-hmm. to me. It's, you, almost, you get a chance to really build a relationship mm-hmm. with that person. Absolutely. It's as, if, it's as if you, the doctors and nurses who've been working together for 10 years versus every time a physician shows up, they have a different nurse there and there's just some explaining that sort of makes it clunky. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think, is it true that for what, to answer Alicia's question, it's state by state, because the state of Maryland Mm -hmm. does not require it, but you were the person, Jen, who helped me, educated me, because when I was at Hopkins, and Alicia was in my lab, um, we went through radio, radiation safety committee and there for research studies, we had different control versus clinical studies, mm-hmm. but for sure in the clinic, they made it very clear the physician had to be there. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved to Florida and I met you, um, what a lot of people don't know is that you were Emily Plowman's roommate a time back, right? Correct. So she's like, my friend Jen, <laughs> she knows stuff. That's so, right. yeah, so it was great to meet you and you explained the rules in the state of Florida so that my lab can get set up differently mm-hmm. here. So maybe you can expand on that. Sure,
2: so when you guys first came to us, And we have always practice with a physician present and it's and let me answer your question first yeah. Alicia it's not specific to speech studies it's that it's done with fluoroscopy I see. it's any study in fluoroscopy hmm. that from a hospital side in order for us to perform the exam bill for the exam and do a dictation on the exam we do require a physician under the guidelines the resident qualifies as that person I see. they're very quick tests yeah. um, typically and as you guys can probably attest the resident Sometimes contributes significant piece to it, but a lot of it, you guys are looking for yeah. certain things, you're dictating, there's a certain protocol you guys are following. Yeah. Um, they're very familiar with the ins and outs of fluoroscopy, but obviously the speech yeah. swallowing is
1: yours. Well, you know, it's that's funny when your, the residents come in and they always say to the patient, after we've talked to the patient for a little while, they come in they say, Hey, Mr. Jones, I'm Dr. Blah, blah, blah. I'm just here to push the pedal. Listen to the speech pathologist. (laughs) Because patients have a tendency when they hear doctor that they say, oh, okay, this is the person. And they're always like, listen to the speech pathologist. I'm here to push the pedal. I'm here to push the buttons. Um, They're
2: offering the oversight and they're mm -hmm. there for consultation as any attending would be too. If the resident, if you guys had a question for the resident, if, you know, they would also take it to the attending. If It was some very unique abnormality or something you could certainly get that additional yeah. consult piece on. But as far as the state regulations, it yeah. is not that it's your type of study, but it's fluoroscopy. And yeah. so in your situation with the research, the rad tech is it is under the license for, for a research for non billable non clinical patients that they can Run the fluoro. We have a license to run fluoro as a rad tech. That's not the issue. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whether there's an interpretation and or you veer from a protocol. So what we did with you when you first started your um, lab here is we, you guys developed your protocol for your swallowing. It's the same every time. There's not any diagnostic looking. Um, it's not a diagnostic purpose for the study, which is different than what we do in the mm-hmm. hospital when you guys bring your clinical patients yeah. over.
1: I always wonder, is this, I totally understand the billing aspect. It feels silly. It feels a little archaic sometimes, where, you know, does it doesn't have to be that way? Fluoroscopy for swallow studies, especially when we're just looking at the pharynx, seems like something that. It would just make more sense if the resident didn't have to be there. Oh, I agree. You know, I, you know,
2: and it, it's not just and they a looked billing perspective. It yeah, it, it's not just a billing perspective. It's you know, it's the standard that we've had here, and, yeah. and based on the state guidelines, what we are required to do. Yeah. Um, from operating a radiation-producing device, and it's different than just a plain X-ray. There's a higher level radiation yep. that's involved, and you know, there are certain safety measures in place where you monitor time and things like that. Course, but that's yeah. That's what the requirement it is, what it is for. Is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, and honestly, as I I looked over the documents so many times when we first started your lab, and I said, I don't understand why they wouldn't be part of this category. Why they would? Because of the nature of what you guys do. I, I mean, and I just audited an exam two weeks ago, and you know, the resident he did. He just came in. He introduced himself. Yeah. He stood to the side, he ran the floor, helped position the patient in the chair, but the speech pathologist, I think her name was Jen, Mm -hmm. I I mean she ran the whole thing and she had somebody training with her and interacted with the patient. I was in the control area with the wife and they would throw a question back to the wife every now and then the patient wasn't able to communicate as well. And even at the end, going through the study together and showing the images and giving the feedback immediately of I need you to stay on thinner liquids, you still need to use the thickener, you know, all the different things that she was telling him, mm-hmm. uh, or don't stay on, don't go to the thin liquids, use the thickener. Uh, right. You know, that came right from the speech pathologist.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you a question about the discussion you guys have been having just now. <clears throat> it seems like there are a couple of issues. One is, who is the clinician in the room? I think what we're all saying is, The clinician of importance, as it relates to swallowing, no one would deny that the speech pathologist, is the person who happens to know more about swallowing, Mm -hmm. right? But the clinician in the room of importance, as it because of the ancillary services, radiology, is either depending on the state you're in, it can Mm -hmm. be the rad tech or it can be a physician, Mm -hmm. right? But the question I have then is, how many times, as relates to the radiation safety aspect, not the swallowing issues? How many times have there ever been a situation where at the time of the study, during a swallowing study, a modified barium swallow study, it was so important that a physician was there because X could have happened.
2: I don't think that's the case. I okay. mean, a swallowing study, for one, is not the, and and I know that you guys just know the swallowing study component of it, but there are other type of flora studies if the radiation exposure goes over so many minutes, sure. it becomes mm-hmm. a concern for a burn for a sure, patient. Sure, or, sure. Yeah. So that's really the safety component but I'm for speaking out. And the swallowing
1: studies, now. We we're in this umbrella I know, that
0: I agree. abides by I agree. rules that maybe
1: don't necessarily apply. I agree. As and as and the reason the I ask
0: that is because what I often have asked is, if you give me and so this is another issue that I'll ask you about because you've been really good at educating me it's not like if you said to me this patient can get 2.5 minutes or less do what you need to do in that time no that if, you do do that mm-hmm. oh no no what I'm saying is let's say a university or institute had a rule like florals are x number of minutes or less like we prefer oh. that they be mm-hmm. x number of minutes or less And let's just say it was 2.5 minutes I'm just throwing numbers sure. out there because um, they went and said the average study time is this amount, so that means you can get it done. Reasonable things might take you over, but just document why you want. Let, let's say that happens. Gotcha. If I push the pedal, or if you push the pedal, or if radiologist push the pedal, the patient doesn't get any more radiation exposure, correct? It doesn't matter necessarily who presses the pedal? It does matter things like calibration and that kind of thing. Exposure, certain certain areas like the mm-hmm. eyeballs, etc. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, are they leaded? So there are those. I guess arpa. Is that I say that correctly? Or, no, I didn't say that. Dar- I get it all wrong. That what's Allara. Allara. what Alara yeah. Alara DARPA. what is DARPA. DARPA what is DARPA
1: what is DARPA <laughs> DARPA is like a
0: government. See, um, oh. I was <laughs> just looking at that. I'm horrible with acronyms. Okay, so and I know that. Okay, so in that situation, which I'm not going to try to say the acronym again because I will mess it up. Alara Alara as low as reasonably achievable. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. yes. I even did a dysphagia grand rounds on that and explained it, and now oh. I can't remember it. Um, so if we adhere to all of those policies. I guess the question is, um, and there's a physician obviously floating around someplace, or they're not like totally out of the area. It's sort of sure. like with fiber optic endoscopic evaluation of swallowing, sometimes, or fees. Sometimes a physician needs to be around, but they're not actually holding the scope because okay. it's not like they're going to cause more bleeding than somebody else. But if there is something that happens, a physician can run in and assist, right? So I'm just curious about whether or not you foresee, and I know that you can't make the rules here. But if floral studies are so short that burning is not an issue mm-hmm. and, of course, the radiologist is going to go review it and say, okay, there's no tumors, there's no anything like that afterward. Mm-hmm. It just seems like at the time of the study, it's an unnecessary barrier mm-hmm. from, from what I'm what my history has been over time and what you guys are suggesting. So I see what your point is. A, cu- a couple things. You would have to have probably
2: over 30 minutes of radiation yeah. to get any type of Concern and our guidelines are set by our physicists, our medical in physicists. One sitting, in one sitting? Sure, in one case. Yes, yes, I, I mean, yes. I can't ever imagine that happening for as well as a swallow study. No. <laughs> Unfortunately, the guidelines and the rules are set for all fluoroscopy studies. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you certainly could do some type of a Dobhoff tube placement or a mm-hmm, G tube placement, mm-hmm, and you mm-hmm. could very well get to that limit. Mm-hmm. You know, we have this standard for other places like CT and MRI where the tech, according to their license, they can administer contrast to the patient. So that's considered a medication. They have the authority and under their license to be able to provide the radiation for the exam and administer the contrast. The rule is there has to be a physician within a certain amount of distance Mm -hmm. to call upon if there is a reaction or an emergency in some way for oversight. And that's a a tech, technologist,
0: technologist, not Mm -hmm. a clinician. No, that's a technologist.
2: Yep. So if you're a CT tech or an MRI tech, that's under your license, under the scope of the state Mm -hmm. of Florida to be able to administer that, Mm -hmm. with the requirement of having a radiologist. And that seems like a a greater,
0: higher level of risk than pressing a button that administers floral for two minutes or less.
2: Could be, and and most of your for your particular study, absolutely.
0: I, you know, it's. It's a very limited
2: scope of the of the yeah. whole study. It's just the mechanism of how you view the imaging. If you guys yes, could do it sure. by ultrasound, mm-hmm. this we would can't. be a moot point. Believe right. me. I know. We <laughs> have
1: tried. I <laughs> must acknowledge that this, these are talking about things that are much bigger than sure, yes, any of us sure, in the room. Yes. That we're not going to solve this problem right now. No, I no. Oh, I can understand the frustration. Yeah, and the frustration from the residents. I mean, I've seen time and time again where they're like, it's my month rotation and fluoro. Mm-hmm. And it's 3.30 in the afternoon. It's and like they monthly. It's 8 like on my period. And I'm like, hey, Ian, <laughs> patient's ready again in room six. And he's like, okay. And it's like the eighth study that we've been doing today. And he comes in. And for him, it's probably his 20th swallow study, flora where he stood there and is like pushing the battle. <laughs> you know, and-, and,
2: I, and I guess because I've been in tech for so long. Education is a huge component of for any sure. clinical rotation. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you're an x-ray student or a resident. Yep. There is work that is, A, not the top of my priority mm-hmm. list, not the most interesting mm-hmm. for them. Because, you you know, as... As clinically relevant as it is for you guys, yeah. I get that the resident mm-hmm. would be rather be in three other kind yeah. of cases. I understand that. And the more and, sexy aspects of radiology sure, learning. Sure, like the fistula something. And, uh, that I justifies
0: love. their student loans. Sure. Sure. Right? Exactly. Like, let me tell you right now, sure. your epiglottis is not yeah. justifying my student but loans.
1: But I really right <laughs> I will put the onus on the speech pathologist to some aspect because um, you know, when I was at Hopkins, I had the privilege I worked with Bronwyn Jones and she is a attending radiologist that was passionate about swallowing and swallowing physiology. And she made damn sure that those residents knew about swallowing and how it worked. And um, she would quiz them and ask them and it got them engaged. That's
2: awesome. But that's
0: different. That's Bronwyn who is there attending, who they are at the mercy of to some degree. Absolutely. But
1: I think for me, what I was getting at is she set the stage for that Mm -hmm. and how to create that dialogue. Mm -hmm. And you get some residents that will stay with me and watch as I educate because they want to learn. You get some that are like, I just, I can't wait to just get to interventional. That's what I want to do. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it, you can have conversations that say, hey, look at this. This is really cool. Mm-hmm. And you, you know, and it, when you start talking about physiology, they're medical doctors. They're interested in this. And, and it's. Um, having that conversation to engage them and make them part of the conversation. I'll always tell the resident a little bit about the patient as they're right. putting their gown on. I'll say, "Hey, this is a guy that is coming in. We're looking for his diverticulum. Mm-hmm. He blah 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 had a stroke, or and, you know, whatever the story was." And it just helps get them a little more involved. Sure, in I the think study that's great. And, and it adds interest. And I think that the little things like that from a speech pathology and can help with the collaboration aspect Mm -hmm. but I wonder if it's even before you I
0: wonder if you're doing a cleanup job for the medical um, education that they received interestingly enough based on the previous down the hatch that we had with dr. Mike Oaken about advocating for speech pathology he mentioned if they're lucky they might get a lecture on swallowing oh really yeah they know Mm -hmm. I mean when as medical students period in their whole career. Oh, wow. Same thing with nurses. So while these people are at yes. the front lines of management, because ultimately a nurse and a physician might see a patient mm-hmm. obviously before we even get a referral, I don't, can't think of a situation where a speech pathologists would deal with a patient before either of them would. Sure. Um, by the time they've seen us, maybe a lot of things have been missed, right? So we, our job is really critical to get in there if we can't get in floor and hopefully maybe dispel some myths that came before us, and then we're fighting sometimes in radiology. radiology. So I think the difficulty is not um, Jen, Alicia, or Ianessa, speech pathologist yeah. and rat Texas, et cetera. It's, before we even get here, the level of awareness mm-hmm. is so low because they're just looking at these gray things move in the neck, they have a sense of what it is, but it's not intuitive because they didn't get exposed yeah. to how The ramifications of dysphagia can impact their their patients, and that this two and a half minutes will determine what path they go down to some degree. Oh, right! right. They don't see it as a bottle, as a um, as a crossroads moment that it should be. And I think we can do some catch up and educate, but usually by the time they're there, they're like, "Oh, let me hurry up and get this through this." So you're trying to convince, you know, a fourteen year old that math is important versus a four year old. It's like get them early, people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Mm
1: -hmm. And just how complicated swallowing is. I think when you add in that Complexity component that it's not just did it go down the food tube or not? <laughs> did, they or did, they did they pass or did they fail? Pass or did they fail? Which <laughs> makes it seem so boring. God, just saying that makes following sound boring. But when you really think about, or simplistic, exactly yes. when mm-hmm. you really tie in how complex it is and how as a system itself, the sensory motor integration—it's one of the most complex, you know. Um, uh, processes in the entire body, that piques interest. Mm-hmm. And then it becomes more than just a pass-fail exam. Mm-hmm. So, Well, the other thing is if you are a clinician who does a protocol every time,
0: everyone feels like a technician in the room. Like, there's no clinical decision making to be had. Like, I do three, I'm all done five, I'm all done this. this, this, this. And it's like, does it matter what the patient does? Are you just gonna yeah. give those boluses come hell or high water? And I guess if that's the way that an institute runs, then everybody's sitting there going, are we just a bunch of technicians? Like. Floral on pushing bolus
1: see yeah. response floral two pushing mm-hmm. bolus you know what I mean yeah so. well those you know we've talked about two different things that I think segues nicely into another conversation to have which is I've heard many frustrations from speech pathologists that they feel as if the um, radiologist wants to shut down the exam kind of early and that they didn't oh, get really? to see everything that they wanted to see I in my experience haven't had that issue as much as I've I've heard from other people that they say you know, well, I only got a couple of minutes, and then the radiologist wanted to wrap up, and and mm. to me, that That's the most common complaint besides wow. second yeah. to
0: access, and some places don't, and we can talk about this, like, we don't do evening and weekend florals at... At um, UF, which means that if you come in with a stroke on a Friday night, mm-hmm. you're screwed versus if your stroke was a Monday morning. Mm-hmm. It's just, that's just the way it is. Like, don't yeah. have a stroke in Gainesville <laughs> on right. a Friday night and have dysphagia because, oh, well, you know what I mean? Um, it's a Monday morning stroke kind of city or mm-hmm. county or whatever. You well, what and
2: I think some of it for you guys, at least, because that's that since I've been a tech, we've never done that type of study on the weekends. So it's always been classified anything in fluoroscopy is emergent. It has to be deemed as emergent. Can you tell me why? I I never knew why. That's just how, I mean, honestly, that's how it's always been. It's been from leading from the attendings all the way down. So nobody knows why. They just do it. Well, Well, no. It also
1: comes in the speech pathology departments, too, because... Well, you guys
2: aren't staffed to consult people in-house all weekend. So it's not like there's a thousand consults getting done on Saturday and Sunday, so there's not enough therapist is how I understood it because I think I talked to Carrie about this because she asked and I said you know if you guys brought to me we don't have staffing today support that there's not a radiology uh, a radiology resident or an attending um, staffed on the weekends it's kind of a bare bones scenario and Mm -hmm. it's supposed to be handling emergent type situations Mm -hmm. there would have to be that justification brought forward to say this is an emergent type study this is an emergent need for this patient but
0: we happen to have a problem that is almost never emergent right it's never a situ- unless we're doing Heimlich's. Mm-hmm. It's never emergent. If you end up with pneumonia, you're gonna not see it the mm-hmm. second after you swallow, right. Mm-hmm. right? And if
1: you have somebody NPO,
0: if you, you can drop a if you're gonna
1: be dehydrated, or something, Yeah. So there is an alternative.
0: If you're gonna be dehydrated and malnourished, but the issue is, if someone is discharged on Sunday and they never got their swallow looked at, it will become emergent. Perhaps if they get readmitted and nobody saw the swallow, they, they were forced to do a, make a bedside decision because the neurologist says, we need this bed. We need mm-hmm. this bed. The only thing keeping them here is this NG tube. Can they get in a diet or not? Well, I can't go downstairs and check in radiology, so I'm just going to make a bedside decision because there's no other way, and I'm getting pressure to hurry up and ah, get So the neurologist person.
2: comes to you guys to make an in-house decision? Whoever, with, whoever the physician yep. is oh, to say, mm-hmm. the only
0: thing left on this patient is this NG tube. We can't discharge them to X, Y, and Z with that in place. Can they get on a diet or do they get a peg? Yeah. So and the so they have to make a decision emergently mm.
1: about it blind. Without the right information. So, so as a speech pathologist, you now have three options. You say, okay, the let's take the tube out and I'm going to do a bedside evaluation where I can't actually see the swallow. But you'll it's a screen to them type of thing. And mm-hmm. I'll have, make a decision on that or I have to convince the attending neurologist that this patient needs to spend one more night in the hospital so that I can get a study on mm-hmm. Monday. Hopefully if there's space for you. Exactly <laughs> or I convince the physician I mean really those are the two options mm-hmm. actually it's one or the other. Do you guys enter orders as pending discharge? We don't enter
2: what do we enter when orders you do your here? well when you guys do your in-house consultation only reason I'm asking is oh in our they, documentation we do but we don't write the orders. So when the orders are Positions written, that. Mm-hmm. so when the orders are written, there is a classification of pending discharge. They certainly
1: move to the top of the work list. Absolutely, okay. but, but if the you don't top do orders on for the weekend. Monday,
0: period. It
2: doesn't sure, matter, no, but it right? would hit
1: for Monday morning. It, they would be the first study on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. but um, unfortunately, that doesn't. But it's really tough yeah. to convince people to get people to stay. Sure. The cost, it's well, it's length it's of stay cost to, is way right. the risk benefit right.
0: ratio. They don't see that they're going to get pneumonia. Sure. They don't see any of that. They're just like, look, right now he looks fine. Yeah, and so, everyone else made a decision on the bedside besides you. What's your problem, yeah. right? Exactly. Oh, no, I understand. And and with you guys not
2: having the ability to do it independent of radiology, mm-hmm. you you are pushed in that position to make the decision. I mean, again, it would have to just be presented as a justification if you had enough data to show how many patients. A first of all, I would say. You'd have to also include how many additional speech pathologists you would have to round on inpatients and come down and participate exams. Mm -hmm. And then you would present how many times are we keeping people in-house. You know, we've done that before where we've expanded um, service hours in different areas and locations. Mm -hmm. It's harder on outpatient locations to have evening type things and outpatients but we have we've expanded mri service for example in the evenings at the ortho institute we see patients till 11 p.m at the hospital so i think data is powerful is very money speaks it's it's very if you have the data you know i from a technologist perspective yes if that was my mom i would want her to get discharged i would want her to have the right answer to the question i don't understand why you can't have people here at the hospital i totally
0: get that Mm -hmm. and i you know I think that's not, especially you know. for things like stroke, where it's not like you know maybe C sections where you can schedule them and they're not emergent. Like mm-hmm. you know, if you're a scheduled C section, sure, it's not like, well, sorry guys, the OR yeah. is closed on Friday. Right. You're just yeah. the baby's gonna have to just hang out. No, you know? like, <laughs> yeah, that. but um, no, I appreciate what you're saying about education, about data. So mm-hmm. far, you've told us about educating the the tech, let them get them interested. Is what you guys are talking yeah. about for data, the resident? Yeah, yeah the resident. Mm-hmm. But yeah, absolutely. The other thing that you've been telling us about is that. Things can change in radiology depending on the data, and it's really mm-hmm. um, the onus is on the clinic, clinical service mm-hmm. to say, these are the things we have in line. What incentivizes you to consider a change? Mm-hmm. What would you need to see happen? Sure. And what are, you know, what are your absolute no's? You know, obviously right. money's a big no. No one's trying to lose 10% of some <laughs> some fun, like I don't know what percent of Um, uh, swallow studies contributes to radiology.
2: And it depends on each location. So each floral location I don't know if you rotate to the med plaza at all but we have certain types of studies that are primarily scheduled there Mm -hmm. we have certain types of ones primarily at the Mm -hmm. hospital and even in our new building Mm -hmm. at the neuro institute there are only certain types of studies swallow study is one Mm -hmm. of the two that has block time so as an example of I met with Carrie we talked about the clinical need for the patients in that hospital based on the population and so we agreed to some block times Mm -hmm. because there was another competing service Mm -hmm. in that for that same resource which is spine and perceived your injections mm-hmm. so based on well, those cares about that? exactly so those, <laughs> those
1: bring in money well it's
2: not even that it's it's i have two services that need the same piece of equipment yeah. and mm-hmm. i'm looking at what's the most convenient for the patient mm-hmm. obviously to have it done in the same hospital without having to travel to the second you know all of our hospitals are connected by a tunnel so we do move patients to the most available resource that mm-hmm. we can you know we'll say well we can fit you in over here if we're booked over here but you know to start out that location that's what we discussed and we said, okay, how many patients do you think you would do a day? What block times work for your therapist? So we have those today. We have dedicated slots. If one group doesn't use their slots, the other group can backfill, vice mm-hmm. versa. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know what your workforce is there. as far as how many consults there. do you do a day and if you do a but consult, see, that's, then that's what's the next step? Are you waiting on the doctor to enter orders before everything even gets to radiology? Mm-hmm. Or do you call radiology directly? You know, See, Jen, that's not, not your job. It's
0: not your job to get that information and say, hey, guys, just I know you're not thinking about this, but I was thinking about your service. Like, It's <laughs> yeah. our job to come to you and All say, right. this is what we'd like to do. Can we partner? I'm going to explain the problem, the significance mm-hmm. of the problem. I feel like just today I've learned a bunch from you, and maybe you've learned some of the mm-hmm. constraints Certainly. regarding swallowing, yeah. and it does seem as though if a partnership can be had, a simple solution is to work together. And it could be very OB that the service goes, well, wow, maybe we don't want this on the weekends. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe it's actually not really impacting the patients. Maybe the neurologist or who whoever the physician is needs to be in on this conversation to understand when you tell me you need this bed... I want to give it to you, but the patient is lying in. Do we know, not make the, balance, the right decision, right? right yeah, for for the, patient. In the balance. Mm-hmm. What's the decision for the patients? It's not like I'm just sitting here delinquent, right? And it's not exactly. radiologist is mm-hmm. just being stiff. It's yeah. that this, this, these are the constraints, and we're actually going to end up losing 10 mm-hmm. percent of our, you know, funding yeah. because of this issue. And mm-hmm. I think when the data are
1: uncovered and the interests are uncovered, then these answers can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, can and be I had. think it's a culture shift in mentality of getting people away from this idea that we're not just bringing a patient all the way down to radiology to understand, well, does it go into their airway or does it not? We're actually diagnosing physiology and we're trying to figure out what is wrong with the swallow, what's impaired, so that when they go to the next level of care to rehab, they actually have something to treat. Mm -hmm. So when we do anything at the bedside, when we do these quick and dirty assessments, they go to the next level of care and now they're in a situation where they have no, diagnosis. They, sure. they The therapists there don't know what to treat at all. So it causes this ripple effect of inadequate care that, mm-hmm. you know, progresses way beyond just that one decision at that one moment to get the patient bed freed up. And I think that that's also a culture change that happens in the radiology room where we're mm-hmm. no longer just what can they eat, what can they not eat, but spending that little bit of extra time to push the patient to look at physiology. And 're getting the buy-in from the radiologist to say, I actually just want to I want to look AP. I want to try these couple of things to really educate and say, this is why we're doing this. This is a diagnostic test, not a screen.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know what? You bring up a good point because the issue is that, uh, Jen, in the beginning, you said we've probably consulted with the patient. But if you were an evaluating clinician at a hospital for a sniff patient, like, you know, you have your outpatients who come mm-hmm. in. And so far, we've been talking about inpatients, right? Before they get discharge XYZ. When p- patients are coming in from outside, it's, we may have never seen them. We might just see them in the floral suite. So we actually need that time. Oh, to so figure. you guys don't meet them in your office? I was under sometimes these you oh. Sometimes you do, sometimes you think, sometimes, and okay. especially if it's a rush, if it's a situation where the person is here waiting for you, blah, 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 you talk to them while they're there. You, like, you might, maybe you get oh, a report, gotcha. maybe some people don't yeah. even get a report, they just figure it out while they're there. Yeah. Again, this oh. is where education matters to mm-hmm. say, Sometimes I know who these people are, sometimes I don't. I want to make sure that the time that it took, the the 45-minute trip over here mm-hmm. was worth it because we know that, and you might not be aware of this, but people who are in skilled nursing facilities, they might wait two, three weeks to finally get that fluoro, and then when they come here, it's rushed, and they didn't get all the answers to the questions, and the patient comes back, and they're never going to get one again. That was it. Mm. Yeah. So it's a...
1: Yeah. So, we need a so I time, have an option. But... I, right now, I, I do outpatient here at Florida. On Wednesdays, I see um, modified barium swell studies all day. And I have an option. I can either see the patient for 30 minutes before their fluoro, or I can see the patient for 30 minutes after their fluoro. I have to choose one or the other. Uh-huh. I At first, they were scheduling me. I saw the patient for 30 minutes, then I did the fluoro. But what happened is that 30 minutes was a waste of my time because I don't know what their swallowing looks like yet. Gotcha. So I'm like, hey, how do you feel about your swallowing? And they're telling me these things. And I'm like, but we're get, I'm gonna see it right. in 30 minutes. Why? What are we what? talking about? Yeah. Let's see. Let's look under the hood. So now I come in, I get a quick and dirty, um, whether it's in their chart or I talk to the patient, what's going on as I'm setting up, as sure. I'm pouring stuff, see the swallow, and then I get 30 minutes after to educate, to show them what's happening, to. Um, maybe give them some treatment advice mm-hmm. to set them up for when they're leaving. They're going back mm-hmm. to their facility, so um, that time is is really valuable to me. After, not before the gotcha. The swallow, okay. So.
2: Well, and and the exam I audited a couple weeks ago, that happened to be an outpatient who came in with his wife, Mm -hmm. and he had had a stroke previously. He had been discharged, and this was a follow-up exam from Mm -hmm. his swallowing issues. Mm -hmm. And so Jen – is that the other therapist? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Jen, she took the time – and I didn't know if she'd met with him previously. She took – or if she'd seen him previously. She took the time at the end of the exam when all the imaging was complete – that the physician left and she pulled it up on the screen and she took the time to have the wife come back in, go through it because she was the caregiver and kind of talk about it, gave him the recommendation. And she said, you know, keep working with your speech therapist, you know, continue strengthening Mm -hmm. and all of that, the muscles. So then let me see you back in four weeks. So that was kind of how I observed her do it. So Mm -hmm. I thought Carrie had said most people meet before, but I can certainly see the benefit of meeting after. When you said you made the comment about you feel rushed, do you feel rushed? because the, who, is somebody, I mean, so like you feel can, rushed because the tech is rushing or the doctor so is rushing? So I
0: think in general, um, it depends, I can't speak for everybody, but I can give you an example. Because So you'd mentioned, Alicia, that at Hopkins, whenever I had Bro- Dr. Bronwyn Jones, who by the way is the person who helped to found like things like the Dysphagia Research Society, when you have a radiologist like that, they're in there with you Mm -hmm. they're talking with you they're like oh did you notice a stripping wave xyz this is a one in a million this is the the
1: only one
0: that we have (laughs) okay and then i had another person whose name i won't mention who was looking at the clock all the time Uh. looking at the watch wanted to be somewhere else but it was a little frustrated that this swallow study mm-hmm. popped up on his schedule. Gotcha. So the patient, I have X number of boluses that I need to test, and as I go determines the next bolus I'll go, I'll do because mm-hmm. I don't know what you're sure. going to do. I don't you're have not a gonna, protocol right. for everybody. So then I hear him say to me, sort of on the side, like, uh, "We're going to have to wrap this up." And I said, uh, "Why?" Because does, I said, "How long does this patient's uh, he's scheduled for the next 15 minutes?" So can you tell me why I need to wrap it up? Um. And he said. Well, you know, uh, he's going over radiation exposure time. I said, okay, well, just tell me what that number is and I'll make sure I stay under it. He goes, well, we don't really have a number. I was like, so what time are you referring to? He goes, well, we want to keep it under five. So I said, oh, where are we now? He doesn't even know. So I said, I asked the person, the student who was with me, can you go see how much radiation exposure time? Oh, we are at 2.3. Looks like we have some more time. Are you okay with that? (sighs) <sighs> he was then. He was more frustrated because ah, now I'm not complying. His own agenda. His I own agenda. This is not. This is not the only time this has happened, and this tends to be a theme that speech pathologists can sometimes gotcha. complain about. And then I remember thinking, I suspect that if I was a different person, he would expect me to tell the patient, "We're going to have to move forward." And I would say, "Sir, if you would like to wrap up the study as a radio as a radiologist, the expert." because of radiation safety issues, I would like you to tell the patient, because you're the clinician there, I'm here for the swallowing. I, if you're going to be here billing to document the floral time, then please you explain it to the patient. I'm not going to be
1: your handmaiden right. and explain that. And then suddenly we have 15 okay. more minutes. Well, and again, it comes back to a culture change where if you go in and you are merely just looking for what what is safe, what is unsafe, that should take you a minute. Mm-hmm. And if a radiologist has been, that has been the status quo is that Hey, a fluoro takes about a minute, a minute and a half, and they're just figuring out what's safe and And unsafe. And then here comes Dr. Humbert looking at all these dog on swallow. But this is a culture shift where we're really pushing speech pathologists to take it a step further to say it's not about what's safe and unsafe, it's Mm -hmm. about really probing the Mm swallow, looking at a wide range of Mm -hmm. consistencies to figure out what is impaired, what do they respond to better, what do they not respond to to help us get a pathophysiology that takes. A, a bit longer. Mm-hmm. So I think that's where some of that uncomfortable pushback comes from, mm-hmm. is that I've been doing studies for a long time, and the speech pathologist usually only takes a minute, minute and a half, and now you're, it's been three minutes. What what are we doing in here? You know, what's are we, we're wrapped up, right? You know, and I think maybe it's not a, we need to end the study now. I don't think it's quite that mm-hmm. discreet, but sometimes it can be body language. It can be um okay yep we're we're good or no but it can also be somebody who says um
0: oh they aspirated and then they just won't floral anymore i mean that's happening that that is true happen. they'll say oh they aspirated you have your answer so we're done right and so you know the thing is that again if you're at any other clinician you're in surgery you're doing something else if you're a pt they go well they fell right so we can just put them in the wheelchair i mean you, you have your decision a pt doesn't go anytime someone falls in the wheelchair they go and I'm done mm-hmm. but somehow at any time somebody aspirates mm-hmm. uh thickened liquids and yo yes. we're done mm-hmm. like that we've wrapped
1: it up mm-hmm. so it comes back to education it's true it's right? true and that I mean that what I always say is the point of the floor was to get the patient to aspirate yeah you want or them to, to aspirate if you want them to aspirate because then you can see why they aspirated sure. so but I, I have gotten that before from the radiologist where they aspirate and then it's like ooh, okay we're done right like now we know and it's like now we've just begun.
2: Right. right. So I would
1: say definitely feel
2: empowered to talk about that. And that sounds like for you guys are that. really doing that. I mean, it again, like you said, the, the resident's contribution is is a portion of it. And mm-hmm. there's some that are going to be more
0: involved than others, and that's with any clinician. I this is from attendings. I've never had that from a resident. I don't think a okay. resident is knowledgeable enough to say, my history with speech pathologists has gotcha. been that it's only one yeah. minute or aspiration equals yeah. equals this we have trained the the radiologists to behave that way and then when a different slp comes in and says no actually i need to understand the swallow mm-hmm. it's like well what's wrong with her yeah. so or him mm-hmm. and then that slp has to say am i going to buck the system and be the one slp and it's easy to cave it's easy to yeah. give into that peer pressure because you yes, have yes. The, you have the techs out there you have the, the scheduler
1: out there and you're like nope <laughs> yeah.
0: this patient paid the same money that yeah. oh, I right? Right. Like
1: what you I said, said about it sounds like you guys are you know you're And I would say, yeah, but not, not all speech pathologists do feel empowered. Mm -hmm. And I think part of Part of, I guess, if you could say, an overall mission of this podcast would be to empower speech pathologists to have conversations, to educate residents, sure, to go and talk they, to their director. You know what and they say, don't know,
2: and, and you know you stated it—the one attending that you keep referencing is the one in a million. Exactly. You know, every other attending is has a certain level mm-hmm. of investment, in whether they're present, you know, or not in the case, typically it's not here. It's a resident. Yep. But bring them into the fold and involving them, For even sure. the X-ray students. You know, I think it's a great opportunity. It's yep. not something you get to see. I get that they're probably going to stand behind you to watch what you're doing, but they can still learn from it. And that's why I say I'm such a huge proponent of the learning. I don't care who you are, whether you're a resident, a med student, or a technologist, a student. There's always that opportunity. And I've learned a lot from you guys today, just kind of what you guys do, and and still can't even say I know everything you do. But, I mean, just
1: anytime you talk to somebody about what you're doing – Hey, they yeah. just learned something. Well, and it's also, you know, how many times have I had a conversation with a speech pathologist where they're like, the radiologist shut down my study. And then you're like, well, what what happened? They were like, well, they asked me, you know, are we done? And I just felt like they <laughs> wouldn't go on anymore. And then that was it. And it's like, come on. Like, come on. It's okay, okay to say,
2: actually, I have a few more images I need to get. Yeah. I mean, it, I get where you're sitting. I shouldn't have to justify why I need to continue the study when I'm kind it's of, not about you, it's you about know, exactly to say, totally. you know what, there's some more images. And, and like you said, it's just, it's feeling empowered. Yeah. And, and
1: this kind of segues into a, another conversation is, um, how many times have we had the conversation about 15 frames per second versus 30 frames per second in ah, and fluoro and yes. speech pathologists say, we can only do 15 and there's just nothing we can do about it. And have you had the conversation?
2: So I'm glad you said that because I know a couple years ago some of our equipment is older and it really wasn't until speech came to me to say the gold standard is 30 frames per second. Nobody in radiology knew this. We didn't know this. This wasn't our world, you know, for swallowing, because fifteen frames per second is awesome for pretty much everything else we do. So it's it's really interesting because when we bought the equipment for our other tower, the cancer hospital, we didn't get 30 frames per second. There was never that communication piece. And now that we know that every piece of equipment we get, even if we think there might be a swallow study that goes on it, we go with 30 frames per second because it's the only test that would use that, but it's important because it is now your gold standard, and that's
0: something that I learned from you guys. And you know. No, it's funny because um, on the same dysphagia grand rounds podcast we have a um, we had Heather Benilla who is our SLP expert in um, fluoro and those kinds of things and she's got a large grant to study that so she's really been the person who's been putting out the studies that have been taken to radiology departments around the globe probably mm-hmm. to say hey guys when we get half the information we make different decisions when the swallow is half a second long and you cut part of that out we make different decisions and they're not to the benefit of the patient. So we know that that's a standard real time because it's so fast. Right. Mm-hmm. And likewise, if then if I go talk to my other colleagues who study swallowing in animals, they can't do anything with 30 frames per second and a rat that swallows so fast, they go to 60 frames per second at oh, wow. their baseline. They can go up to 250 frames a second on these little, um, on these little animals. So it, the, the, the standard depends on the task. And like you're saying, swallowing is a unique task relative to some of the other movements that are much slower mm-hmm. and that don't have multiple intricate pieces going at the same time, plus a bolus you got to keep track of. So it again, that's where education made a difference to you guys. And mm-hmm. the beautiful thing is you respond to research. You respond to um, a a group of clinicians who are passionate about what they do and want to get the best possible information. But then the argument back to some speech pathologists, I was talking to a colleague not long ago who reached out to me through Facebook to say I'm coming from one place where everyone got 30 pulses per second and of course it's pulses per second because we know frames per second would sure. be a 30 still shots but pulses mean 30 unique images per second mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and she's moved to a place where they have 15 and she's now doing the same thing she did and but this group is not responding they're like who can justify all of that extra radiation exposure? And she's having to say the the risk benefit ratio actually is against the patient here. The likelihood that they're going to end up getting a massive growth because of 15 versus 30 might, we can't say for sure, might be lower than that they'll come back with aspiration mm-hmm. pneumonia, right? Mm-hmm. So she's having to justify those things. And oh, wow. one thing that I said to her, and I don't know how you feel about this, but people who, um. Come to flora, oftentimes have to have some level of cognitive ability to even swallow on command, right? They can't be someone who, no matter what you say to them, they won't swallow because you follow. know it's a waste of time. Right. So, some of these people can consent to things like surgery, they consent to all kinds of things. Why don't we allow the patient to consent to these things? So, for instance, in research, you might be aware that all of our protocols that go through our in- institutional, um, see, I, I Acronyms, IRB. IRB. Holy cow, how could I forget that one? Institutional Review Board. Review Board. I was going to say Research Board. My brain is dead. Um, Institutional Review Board says, okay, you want to have this many minutes for this kind of task, and it has to go through radiology first. You guys come back and say, yep, you'll approve that research study, and we do the study in our lab. And every time you guys give us language to describe to the patient what they should expect, what does five minutes of floral mean? Because how can they consent if they don't know what that means? So the language you guys have given us is something like, consistent with Hopkins is five minutes of radiation exposure is like being exposed to natural sources such as the sun and the soil for a quarter of the year, but it's condensed to five minutes. Another radiologist said, well, that's basically a flight to California because you're closer to the sun. When we tell people what the radiation exposure is in layman's terms, they go, oh, give me that 30 frames if it means I can eat again or I can Mm -hmm. swallow again. I want to be able to drink this. I don't want to spit in a cup or whatever it is. Right. So why is it that the radiologists who have the capacity to give us that same language so we can explain it to people for research, don't allow the patients for whom this is probably a bigger deal, the opportunity to justify what they want in terms of radiation exposure time, if that is one's argument against either more pulses per second or another study or something like that. Sure,
2: I can't speak for everybody. I know from ours, it's just been a resource limitation. The equipment itself wasn't able to be upgraded. It wasn't, you know, due to be replaced. It doesn't, I couldn't justify switching a whole piece of equipment out five months after I put it in for 30 frames per second. A, because I didn't have the information ahead of time, so mm-hmm. only speaking from my experience, it mm-hmm. wasn't that we wouldn't be willing to do the option if we had it. It's just it wasn't even capable of it. And again, depending on why you're buying the fluoro equipment, if there's no, if there's not a speech program at a hospital or at outpatient imaging center, you would n- never use 30 frames per second probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- and that's the only reason I mentioned is is it was huge for me to know that because I am in the position now where when we look at new equipment and we say, I mean, just like mm-hmm. our new tower. We said there were two vendors that had the same piece of equipment. One could do 30, one could do 15. Mm -hmm. The other one that could do 15 was cheaper. But we said, no, Mm -hmm. we have to have 30. That's the gold standard. So that's what we went with. And I had that justification. There was no qualms about spending the extra money, Mm -hmm. whether it paid for itself in the long run. I had information. Yeah, absolutely. And it it was a service that we would be offering specifically in that location. If it was somewhere else where I maybe did one or something, I wouldn't really
1: have as much justification. Mm -hmm. And I would say, We would probably not want to do them in that site Mm -hmm. if we didn't Mm -hmm. have to. So my understanding is that that is a a case where sometimes the equipment just doesn't have Mm -hmm. the capability. Mm -hmm. But what I found more often is that the equipment does have the capability to go to 15 but it's staying, uh, it does have the capability to go to 30 but it's staying at 15 and there's some um, like what you were talking about where "Ah, we don't really need to do 30, 15 is sufficient and that's where that education piece Mm -hmm. comes in. Who would you say, if you're a speech pathologist that's looking at a piece of equipment that's going Fifteen, you know it's capable of Mm thirty. Well, actually, two questions. How do you how do you find out? (laughs) What what recommendation would you give of finding out that it's capable of thirty? And who would you talk to to have that conversation? So
2: definitely, whenever you get a new piece of equipment, there's always the vendor brings in an applications person to set it up, and you tell them the kind of studies that you do. If you didn't indicate you needed an option for a default, so if you pick the button as a default that says swallow study. For it to default to 30 frames per second. Most times they can program those things in. So definitely your technologist, the supervisor in that area, the coordinator, somebody to start with to say, Hey, can you check with your vendor to see if your equipment's capable of doing 30 frames per second? Um, you know, obviously you have to think about we have another issue with some of our older equipment. Storage-wise, it can't hold that many images oh, at one time. Recording, that's another issue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> oh yes, yeah, so that's big on ours too. And you know, so there's there's other like domino effects that come from using 30 frames per second, you have to have a newer piece of equipment that has the local capacity of storage, not your long-term archive, sure. but your local mm-hmm. capacity. And we've done a lot to try to figure out, oh, could we do this? Can we do that? Some of our sites have been able to transition to that more of an electronic recording and review versus mm-hmm. the DVD. Uh, DVD, med- a medical DVD player is ridiculously expensive, and it is no different. <laughs> it it's just crazy. is called medical grade, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's it's an inefficient way to store and review, in my opinion. Um, It's very much archaic. archaic. And, you know, that's high on my list now that we have all that too. And I have that on my justification. I've collected little bits of information from Carrie and stuff and put them in my folder to say, okay, this one's due for renewal. These are the reasons I want to get this piece of equipment because it does this, this, and this. Um, That's just kind of our hospital process when we get new equipment. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, definitely the tech as far as what the capabilities of the machine are. You know, sometimes, like I said, all the diagnostic text rotate typically. You might yeah. have some that are regulars, um, but, you know, a supervisor, a, you know,
0: coordinator in that area can get with the vendor. Can I ask you a question sure. about that? So in the past, what I've done is I've written down the model and everything and gone online and contacted yeah. the actual company. Sure, so you can do that too. if you too. feel like you're worried about rocking the boat and you're maybe mm-hmm. somebody who likes to get information and then, unfortunately, when I've suggested that to clinicians, they found out that they were not told the complete truth that it Uh. was completely incapable and then they were able to say, actually, if you look at the manual, mm-hmm. it shows here that all yeah. you got to do is press that there button. Yeah. Well, and that's you know <laughs> some of it is as with any person. And
2: so, for example, I have a hundred techs in my general diagnostic pool, hundred. So you wow. literally could get one of any hundred yeah. for the most part. So they're only as good as the training they got. True. You know, if there's probably some regulars they rotate through. If it's if it's a facility that doesn't do them very often, and there's a different thing they have to do, maybe they don't know that because they didn't experience that during training. So they just Mm -hmm. don't know it. So them saying it's not capable is because I don't know that it's capable. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you what I know. Some of it, I could see maybe somebody was obstructive. You know, part of it too is say it's a year later, and you have to have applications come back in and reprogram, there's a cost associated to that Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. If it's a need specifically to that department, having that information ahead of time, presenting it, I think even in the past we split the cost of a DVD recorder Mm -hmm. um, for speech pathology because it was a specific need for them to have because they wanted to be able to review it and take the DVD with them. Mm -hmm. There wasn't any reason we needed
0: it because the images were being stored, which is what we require. Mm -hmm. So I think we split one one time. And it's even good that you require it. I mean, the next step, the first step is can we get in the flora suite?
1: Yeah. The second
0: step is when we get there, can we have the time to identify what's going on? The mm-hmm. third step is can we actually see the whole swallow with 30 frames per second? Mm-hmm. And the final thing is, yay, we got all those things, and then I have to remember what I saw, right? Yes. And so sometimes that's really frustrating too, so I'm mm-hmm. glad you mentioned that idea. I've come from the NIH where it was VHS tapes. By the time oh, I got well, to Wisconsin, that was when I started yes. as a tag VHS tapes. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, that was v- VHS. Was at Hopkins I'm just before you, I not left. That long, not, not that long, that long ago. Long. I know at, at Johns Hopkins yep. we were still mm-hmm. doing, and they have a whole room that's just full of VHS tapes oh, yeah. that are old. Oh, they're so they're degraded long. and grainy
0: right now. And then when I went to Wisconsin, it was DV, DVDs and because I had when I had my own lab at Hopkins we had our own um, floral suite just for my research studies mm-hmm. and the other studies that were going on there um, and I recorded directly from floral right up to my laptop so I had no issues there um, then when I came here we got Tim's mm-hmm. um, and Tim's has been great because it allows that but I know Tims certainly allows um, many it's, it's really it's not meant for a research lab you know they've accommodated us and mm-hmm. we love that but they've they're really for hospitals for all of these recording capabilities and you don't lose any image quality. So again, that's where education comes in. It's not just looking online to see can this equipment that's already built in and sitting there already purchased, what can it do? It's also saying, hey, we have recording issues. I understand that you guys go through equipment and you make decisions. I know that DVD recording things are one thing, but FYI, there are the other things. Can we talk together about the possibility of these other recording options like Tim's? And can we also then talk to them? They'll come out and do a Mm -hmm. little in service and tell us. Sure, because it depends
2: how they integrate with the equipment. So, for example, at the Ortho location, the speech pathologists they review it on Visage, which is our pack. Yes. So they do it directly right off there. It's mm-hmm. saved forever. You can pull it up on any mm-hmm. website, you know, uh, any laptop, etc. You could do it out in the hall. You could do it at your office. Yep. You can do it, you know, in the lobby. You can do it. In but the do X-ray they go room. away?
0: So no. the Issue at Hopkins mm-hmm. was that. Um, tims is a is a is a local storage unit Mm -hmm. is like kind of a local storage system but they do connect to packs is what i understand as well okay so it might be just
2: your viewing system but as far as long-term storage that's how we have our setup so it's long term and so you can recall it anytime and certainly it falls off the local cache after a certain period of time a couple months you just do a recall and it pulls it right up yeah so to me that's awesome that you have that ability versus taking cases of DVDs and they're stacked up in the closet. And they degrade over time. And we don't keep them because, of course, that's not our storage method. So that's good that... You know, again, information that I never had before, but as we move forward in radiology purchases yeah. the equipment, it's not just you guys, though. Of course, that's huge for anybody else. You're the only ones that use the DVD, but the storage components and the capacity of storage sure. locally is huge. Right. Yeah. So it helps us, you know, so look to the in, best piece of
0: equipment to service all the groups that need the room. Right. And so it turned from real estate storage, like we're going to put these DVDs, mm-hmm. to actually like cloud storage, yeah. if you will, right? Yeah. And obviously, there are bigger risks. There are risks with one versus another. One is they degrade over time, mm-hmm. right? If you have them sitting in a room. Yep. The image, but then the other thing is the HIPAA violations and hacking, and who gets so, access to and it. Every, and, and every every, facility, every does every it and Every institute has yeah. to deal with that, mm-hmm. so that sometimes and it costs more money because of that. So mm-hmm. it's not just buy a big old server. No, it's buy it's a server and make sure storage. exactly, and Huge. make sure mm-hmm. that there are legal implications that mm-hmm. we have these things encrypted, etc. Right. Yet accessible somehow. Yep. Well, so they have
2: to be securely accessed. Exactly. You have to have a secure, and you can link for us. You can link right out of our EMR to mm-hmm. the images. So we. Even if you're in the patient's chart, you just click right on the button and it
0: securely links to the
2: archive. But let me tell
0: you about another legal issue that we often don't think of. That's the opposite of that. And that is, um, whenever, for critical thinking, dysphagia management is a two-day course that Emily and I give. And at the end, I end with this talk on advocacy. And I pull up a random letter that I got. Sometimes I get emails from um, caregivers who say uh, something happened to my loved one you're a swallowing expert, I just found you online and I'm not happy with this, that, or the other. So in this particular one, they, the patient um, had an issue six years ago and seems to be having some issues, like hypoxia, I forget exactly mm-hmm. what it is. Um, anyway, at the end of the day, the, the woman's husband died within somewhere between when she reached out to me in April and May. Um, the autopsy says aspiration pneumonia. And so she says, I wanna see those videos. Because I told her, I was like, you know, I can't tell you by email if the person was even aspirating. I mean, I hear what you're saying, but can you get access to the videos? I mean, that would help. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said, they're now saying that the equipment was down that day. And she's, you know, going after them because... The recording equipment? The recording equipment was down that day. She doesn't believe them. She thinks that they're trying to cover their butts. Oh, Um, Because she's like, this is ridiculous. How could he have died from, quote, aspiration pneumonia? He's been quote, swallowing fine. Now obviously I have no clue where the truth lies. None Mm -hmm. at all. I'm just getting these emails and saying this is how, because she didn't even know how to navigate the system. Who do I talk to? How do I know if there is aspiration? And I was saying if there was a video fluoroscopy and he actually swallowed barium, you should at least get something there. Of course, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he aspirated that during that time. Mm -hmm. But she's going back to them and saying, all right, I want to see those videos, I'm the caregiver, I have access to his image. Oh, Flora was, uh, recording was down that day. Mm-hmm. So that's where she is. And it could be that they don't record, maybe that maybe it was down that day. But she has some, she might have some legal avenues there if mm-hmm. it wasn't down that day, right? Sure, I don't well, know. I, I mean, but I guess. The, oh. But the problem, I think, is that sometimes education even to the level of the patient is what's important up until now she was completely baffled about everything it could be that she was educated fully and she's having trouble with the death of her husband uh-huh. but it could vary but that's that's different from all the levels of documentation that we do right. and if it comes down to a degraded dvd or a storage issue sometimes these legal cases even the institute did everything they could spiral out of out of control because of miscommunications Mm -hmm. so those Hmm. are the other ends that we often don't think about and then we're like
2: wow no it's interesting because you have I mean at least in our location, the DVD is a is a side. It's for you guys. That's not our recording mechanism and that's not our storage mechanism. The radiologist is dictating based on images they are viewing on packs, not the DVD. So it's very possible we would have done, a, say we did that study, we did the study, the DVD may not have recorded but we would still have the images recorded. So it would be interesting what she finds out about this institution exactly. if they truly just didn't like the speech pathologist didn't have the DVD, but mm-hmm. the institute, if they had a report in some way, would have validated. Because, yeah. I mean, typically you're not going to have a report without any images. Again, that's our product. They're dictating off of images. You mean recorded images? Sure. So you
0: store the images on packs So a lot of places will they'll store the swallow mm-hmm. loop. They that's call not, it That, the that might loop. be the case here, but a lot of places that don't even record. It's whatever people remember. They think they oh, saw. Oh, really? They don't Absol- even record. No, the they don't record any. They don't save any images to packs. So,
1: Mm-mm.
0: no, not every place oh. does that. Oh, Some places okay. at least record it, but
1: maybe it's hard to access, or, or they might get or that very the first still frame. So wow. you no, know, you, you know, you floral on quick, and you just get, yep, they're in good position. That's the only image that they have oh, access to. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah That's so there what are places that PAX. don't record
0: anything in the speech pathologist after seeing twenty swallows. But the swallows, actual floral loop off
1: the video. Is not sense it's not. Oh, it's gotcha. just the still images.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah. So okay. in those cases, sure, I could see it's that. It's pretty being, difficult. Well, that's hard on you guys
2: because now you're just remembering. Well, <laughs> well but then the radiologist
0: also makes writes reports. I mean, right. it's not just us, right? The radiologist mm-hmm. writes a report yeah. about fluoroscopy. And a lot
2: so. of times they'll reference they'll. Well, and you got to think about too, because I know even, you know, when they do a dictation, they're referencing. Yeah. Please review the speech. That's usually that's usually the report no, right yeah. that's the report <laughs> I participated in this study they got this much flora time. Yeah. this is what we did we swallowed various thicknesses yeah. but not to the detail that you guys there's are no showing diag- no no no, no. no, 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 no. Not, not a diagnosis per se i mean they might comment if they know that they aspirated Yeah, i mean that would be part of i would expect that to be part of the report but yeah,
0: yeah. oh wow. that's Well i have to say i mean this for me has been one of the more educational <laughs> yeah. down the hatches because for sure. i mean just there's no way that i would know about sort of the view of somebody from radiology. Mm -hmm. I mean, just from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. um, Always, it's good for me to remember that you guys service every single department Mm -hmm. in this hospital. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes it's good for us to understand that we're not the, we think that radiology should, uh, you know, rotate around our needs, but actually there are, actively rotating around everybody's needs at the mm-hmm. same time and because we are sort of not intentionally lower on the totem pole but just frankly out of awareness mm-hmm. um, obviously if you're looking to identify a fractured leg people get what that is like he broke his leg did he or didn't he and everyone's mm-hmm. like all right let's go check and it's yeah. so quick and easy mm-hmm. compared to floral where the idea of swallowing even though it's more complicated is mm-hmm. not even the basis of education for the clinicians, I bet you, radiol, radio, um rad techs get more understand, have seen more swallows than the average physician.
2: Might yeah, yeah. I agree. Cause, you know, I mean, because that's, when else would they get it? Exactly, they're doing it and you know, if there's other facilities that don't require state, different states that don't require the physician to be present, very often is the tech Mm -hmm. doing that protocol and following the protocol. And as an advocate, still just an extension to you guys, Mm -hmm. they're not making a diagnosis. They're Mm -hmm. truly just operating the fluoroscopy and doing the protocol. So, I mean, you know, I think too, a big takeaway, it, it doesn't have to be hard. I think developing a good Rapport with the with the department you're working with whether it's off because we had a lot of referrals off-site I mean Mm -hmm. as you guys know they come from nursing homes They come from other physician offices outside of the state and or the city and stuff So you know we're we are servicing a lot of different groups not just inpatients but outpatients and it is hard to balance
0: I have a a question for you sure okay So now I hear the voices of people who would to what extent and I know you can only speak to radiology here to what extent would radiology be Um, okay with or not okay with um, other diagnostic techniques that might take away from their bottom line. So on one hand, I get the idea that you have limited equipment, you have a lot of services that need you, and you're not about to say that one service is more important than the other, right? It could be the same patient with two needs for radiology, right? We're not going to tear them in half. But what about companies that do mobile diagnostics mm-hmm. so like for skilled nursing facilities where there's they no do, at all do they, they do, do that here mm-hmm. at, here at this hospital they don't well? hear um they don't but would radiology be upset if they found out that all this contractual thing right so all the, let's say all the patients that they couldn't get to like speech pathology said look you guys can see 50 percent of our patients that need it the other 50 percent that also need it never get it they go home without it and you're telling us like you know as it's a business too mm-hmm. we don't have the equipment we'd have to cut off all of these other spinal taps going on just go with So me you're that. proposing a So let's say a mobile they said, company
2: brings in a C-arm and does Well they don't side bring in imaging. a C-arm
0: often these companies they have an area in the and truck in the parking lot and the patient is able to actually go into that area and safely cuz there're many in Florida and they actually do their fluoros in the parking lot or in the, the big mobile truck or or even fiber optic endoscopic evaluation of swallowing, so fees, if that took the other 50% of your business, mm-hmm. would radiology say, no, we don't like that, or say, look, it doesn't, it, as long as we're okay with that company, then it's fine.
2: I'm just curious. I don't know that radiology would be the decision maker in that. Oh. I've never, I guess I've never heard of another imaging group coming in and doing imaging when we offer the service. Um, But do you offer the services completely? That's the question. We do offer the service. Now, is the service as fast as you want it? Probably not. Is the service on demand? Probably not. Mm -hmm. But we do Mm -hmm. offer the service. Mm -hmm. We offer it during set hours. Yes, we do dictate the set hours. Again, that's something that it would have to be presented and justified and, again, a decision made that, you know what, this is a high enough need. We have enough volume. We have the physicians and the technologists and the equipment in place. We should do this. Mm -hmm. Everybody's on board. That's certainly an ask, but as far as just having a random imaging company set up random. outside in the parking lot. <laughs> it wouldn't be random, so that's, but that's how it's done. Well, so, like, here's, here's what we have at the Ortho Institute. We have a mobile MRI that the hospital pays to lease it, but right. we operate it.
0: Okay, so, so it we is staff possible. It. We so it staff is, yeah. it. Ah, so it is possible for mobile companies of that's one sort That's just adding of a resource.
2: That's good yeah, then. So that's, that's, that's a nice adding, compromise. Yeah, I was just, just curious about what
0: I was curious about what kinds of things radiology would say yes, no, or maybe. Yeah. So or actually, we. I guess can't I've, make I've a never decision. been
2: proposed with an, a company outside of UF of Health Shands operating on our property. To it would be a compet- it would be competing
0: service unless, of course, you are um, as you said with because you might as
2: well just refer them to North Florida.
0: You or, might as well just refer them or, to another hospital, or it's easy for town. them to just go down to the parking lot than to go Florida. to another place. So for the yeah. patient they would much rather while they're already here sure. just be here. Yeah, you know, I got I guess I
2: don't see anybody approving a yeah. third party vendor operating a service uh, without a contract. I mean if we said so it is possible. we can if
1: we said we can't provide this service, mm-hmm. I guess.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, I
1: see 90% of my outpatients come from over 45 minutes away. Yeah. Over 90%. Yeah. But they're coming to your department. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, because they don't have access elsewhere. To so that's a speech pathologist? To communicative disorder. To, to a fluoro. fluoro. Oh, so, like, really? the patient from Stark is coming because at that facility, they don't have fluoro. So, to be able to see the swallow, they have to drive 45 minutes. Because it's tied into your service as well. Nope. They just no, come from fluoro and they go, go back.
2: you guys don't go to Stark. No. There's other places in Stark that probably do fluoroscopy, outpatient imaging centers that may do fluoroscopy. You mm-hmm. guys don't operate there,
1: though, either. But they, they don't have a speech pathologist. So to find a place yeah, that's that has fluoroscopy yeah. oh, no Yes, yeah, correct. No, yeah, yeah. so so, I'm saying mm-hmm. um, they don't stay for treatment. They come, they get their flora, and then they go back.
2: Right. Yeah. But, but they, but they come dirty. to us through a referral
1: through you sure. guys. Yeah. That's how we get it. As course, again, we're course. an ancillary
2: service. Of course, so we're not the ones drawing. We're not pulling in the business. Sure,
0: we're getting the business. Yeah, yeah. 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 we're not out there well, trying that's, to drum that's up point. the business. That's my yeah. point. That until radiology notices that business is being siphoned, mm-hmm. that might be the only way to be like, yeah. wait, maybe, maybe exp- let's say we just we did this whole research thing, and it's expansion was not possible to week- weekends and evening at a given institution. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily. You're mm-hmm. just a given institution. Sure. And then you discover that as part of those people doing the mobile service, they realize, why the heck would I go there even Monday through Friday, 9 to 5? Like, why am I even doing that? I can just not drive 45 minutes. If, if you said 90% of people come from far away, all of these mobile companies start staffing locally. That sounds like a lot of business. They still have
2: to have a physician. They still oh, sure. have to have a Oh, And they do. Oh, believe me, there are many. There are 100% legit. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Mobile, I, they're my colleagues. Yeah. Really? I know yes, yes. So it's a physician? It's a speech pathologist, and it's a rad tech, yep. a mobile thing mm-hmm. that just goes around and does mobile yep. studies. And they just travel all around, and it can and be it can places. be
0: fees, or it can. And I'm, I won't talk so much about fees because it's not exactly the same kind of thing that you would be dealing with. It wouldn't take give or take to radiology necessarily, right? right? Um, but the, the mobile, um, but they charge it. It's their they tra- business. Yep. Yes, They're business. saying we offer this yes. service,
2: and a doctor can go. I'm going to refer you yes. to this mobile yep. company. In it's fact, the
0: doctor says this is great. Just come to our parking lot on these days, and all of the patients who need to be wheeled to the parking lot for whatever reason. But the parking it, lot it, is that. It's of a nursing facility. Facility, yes, yes. not another hospital. But the issue is they those are offer. feeders, those are feeders gotcha. to mm-hmm. like Shans' for instance. Sure. But if those companies begin to really build up, yeah. why would they take them, have the transport and all those uh-huh. expenses to go all the way to Shans? The SLP, who is their yep. SLP? at The SNP doesn't have to worry that Alicia didn't do the right things. Right. This is his or her patient. Well, that's
2: what they do down the if street.
0: They started roaming. That's I mean, if they, they started roaming a, a forty-five-minute radius.
1: I would, I would get no outpatients. That's right. Yeah, that's what we they would do do get select. no business. I would, I would, my yeah. clinic. They would shut down. <laughs> yeah. Well. It's interesting. I don't I mean, have the business. I, mean, I didn't know, I know they did. i just want to make, I, I just, never it clear. I just want to make it clear, I don't have a mobile business. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't plan a That's mobile business. It's just that I have colleagues, who well, I'm sure. I can't even visualize what it would look like. To be honest, I've never seen one. I have. Really? I have, yeah. I
2: haven't. I, have, I guess I never would have thought that that would just be a standalone I just business.
1: Pictured a, like yeah. a arm in a trailer park or
0: something. <laughs> <laughs> double wide, baby, yeah, double yeah. wide. little green grass. That's right. No, in fact, what we probably should do, we'll get a lot of responses from people who have those businesses when we post it. That's and interesting. If yeah. you guys are listening, if you either have fees or floral, yeah, yeah. I mean, these are opportunities that are for out sure. there for a need. There's no question there's a need. There's it a just need. needs to be expanded. Mm-hmm. And it will probably have after effects where it benefits yeah. the SLPs who require the hospital floor to say, right. Hey, you guys are losing business. What about evenings and weekends? Oh yes, give them to us because yeah. now we're well, right now." Right I mean, right now. Right but now, think about it too. I'm, I'm you guys are gonna eight.
2: lose you guys would yeah. lose the business too. I know that some of the times we get repeat studies, people get studies of all kinds elsewhere, but mm-hmm. they're not the same protocols that we do here at UF Health. They're not the same protocols that our physicians are expecting to see. Yeah. And so that is, a, you know, that is a difference from maybe some other, any facility. Everybody's yeah. protocol is a little different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we, we often get that where somebody said, I had a study somewhere else, and they want it repeated with yeah. a different protocol yeah. here. But I would love so. it
1: because right now I'm booked until almost June. So if somebody gets discharged from the hospital and wants to come in for an outpatient study, they have to, right now, with me, have to wait until June. Mm-hmm. So for a Because a lot there, I'm pulling from such a wide range mm-hmm. that if these mobile companies were floating around this 45-minute radius, mm-hmm. then the patients locally that need it immediately would be able to say, hey, next week there's an opening and you can come in because I wouldn't be so saturated with half of North so Florida. So then would you just take somebody else's
2: study
0: that they performed and you would just on the study? It depends on what the, the quality of the study is and what's changed between that study and your next study. Mm-hmm. So if they've had a stroke between that last one and the next one, there's a, re, a just, medical justification to see what's new. Sure. Um, and sometimes, but she only does outpatient floral. She's not yeah. treating, so she doesn't necessarily need new information to make a decision about treatment. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's purely a diagnostician yeah. here. So you know, she's doing the best possible, most thorough study she can. And given that that's all she does, for her to be booked out till June mm-hmm. tells you even if she's only booked out till March
1: mm-hmm. because
0: some mobile companies took some business, she's still booked out yeah. relatively. But that yeah. it
1: goes back to our conversation about That patient that's inpatient that it's Sunday and they need Mm the study part of that is it emergent? It's emergent because they can't just it it it, maybe it is an outpatient question that they get discharged they just come right back in as an outpatient Mm -hmm. and I see them problem is that they can't come back in as an outpatient until June
0: yeah so now this is emergent wait they were there upstairs from you that same day that you were downstairs doing an outpatient from the person who was there Mm -hmm. a month before
1: (laughs) so this is a much bigger yeah not agree I mean
2: honestly we could we could have that conversation every day that we. There are not enough resources. Imaging resources. It's not even just radiology. No, it's not. And you know, like I said, you guys are one of. 50 referring and, and it's not that unique want to, to us. and yeah. it's, not unique it's, to us. It's, it's a challenge, though, for everybody. I mean, yeah. you know, it's certainly, it's very important to each group, and, yeah. you know, yeah. we, we try to really work with each group, and that's why I say having a good relationship with your radiology team and coming to them when you say, yeah. hey, you know, can we meet down with your leadership? Can we talk about maybe doing weekend hours? You know, again, it's not just the piece of equipment and the rad tech. A, a physician has to be able to be present, and, you know, mm-hmm. if we're going to do five swallow studies, boom, you could knock them out quick but that's somebody's time to be able to do that now could you get somebody you know we've could you get somebody to moonlight would you hire somebody outside as a moonlighter to do that you know every Saturday from 8 to 12 maybe you know that would serve maybe that would serve the purpose you know maybe you started out as a pilot you know hey we need to see but the data is really what starts it
0: and it could be also some reassessment and sometimes it's money that talks reassessment about the extent to which swallowing falls under the floral category again so think about ultrasound and intravaginal ultrasounds and all the things they're not even at hospitals anymore they're often at um, not, not that they're not at hospitals but sure they can be but when it comes to a otherwise healthy woman who's having a baby and they just want to see what the sex is they want to see if the baby's doing okay um, you have these techs that can do it at these clinics. So maybe it's not even a hospital-based thing, like why are these people yeah. coming all the way to a hospital when maybe they need to be swallowing clinics, more yeah. so, maybe well, that's, that's the need, that's right? that's the thing,
2: so for example, we have outpatient imaging centers, yeah. but they're under the, ho- ours are just under yeah, our hospital exactly. umbrella, you know, but there's lots of outpatient imaging centers. Mm-hmm. Some of them have radiologists on site, depending on what they do, others have teleradiology, so the radiologists aren't necessarily even there if they're telling, if they're reading point. off-site. So yeah. it depends telemedicine what kind of, is well, a option. and it depends on what, what kind I've, of service
1: they're offering, whether yeah. they have to have the physician present. You so know, I've asked a way. lot about that, and the answer that I've been given is, like with these swallowing clinics, is that the diagnostic code for a video fluoroscopic swallow study just doesn't generate the income. That's needed. I've so, heard many times. Oh, really? So yeah. So and that's why in a lot of places they only say you will book um, flora studies Monday, Wednesday, Friday from like eight to four or eight to twelve. That it's very segmented because if you start, we could fill up the whole week with swallow studies but we can't pay the, the bills the department's gonna lose money because the amount of money that's charged with that billing code is just not compared enough. to a compared to a different compared to something tests. else gotcha well and for
2: us I mean I'm sure that I don't, I'm not as familiar with the billing component yeah. but I can't I can't give one service a block of right. a whole day, and sure. like I said, the new facility that we opened is very unique because there are only two services, essentially, that we're gonna service there. Based on the type of spine study, we don't mm-hmm. do other enteric type of procedures. So really, the other biggest group that I identified as a need for that mm-hmm. location without having to transfer the patients between the buildings was the swallowing group. Yeah. And, and that's and because the patient stories. population. It'd be in the neuro hospital, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So I mean, that made sense, and those are areas that you could justify blocking it, because if it's mm-hmm it's an add-on for we're not sure. going to do it there yeah. if it's another kind of study yeah. and and that's really you know we do a focus on what's best for the patient mm-hmm. and you know and there is a balance obviously it's a business too but yeah. that probably would be the case then yeah. for an outpatient imaging center if that's all they did yeah mm-hmm. but you know again who sponsors it is kind of the difference if it was sponsored by a communicative group if it was sponsored by that department yeah. it would justify the cost or yeah. you know in that sense i guess right. you know it just really depends on who operates it yeah. you're right yeah you're right. so, so
0: hmm. well this was a great yeah. this was a rich discussion for me um, Absolutely. jenna i hope you were Cool with their uh, sure. barrage of questions. Yes. Yeah. No, no problem. I, so like much. I said, I've learned
2: a lot of stuff, and I hope I was able to answer most of the questions. You, you know, were, without question. You know, it's it's hard to speak for everybody, and obviously you have a lot of listeners everywhere. Wait, no,
0: Jen, just and, talk for all of the yeah. whole world of radiology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say,
2: I talk for all speech pathologists. So, no, it's good to hear you guys' the side of it and your story. And, again, I, I feel like we here do have a good group and mm-hmm. a partnership. Sure. And for it's good sure. to learn, though, from mm-hmm. what others do and but how it, but, we can improve. But it had to be built, built that way. Yeah.
1: It didn't start that way no you know? and that's the take home message yeah. so our take home message is does.
0: build a relationship with mm-hmm, either mm-hmm. uh your local people whoever's at your yeah. institute if you don't have the opportunity multiple contact, groups contact mobile off-site. contact mm-hmm. the mobile diagnostic mm-hmm. type companies mobile, where yeah. where it's either fees or mbs the point is the patient would benefit from either yeah so why not but um instead of banging your head against the wall and saying they're not listening maybe they're not hearing the message that they need to hear well so. same as like
2: the state regulations and why here in our state you can't just operate it on your own mm-hmm. i mean obviously mm-hmm. that would be so nice you yeah. guys could just set up a room with a c-arm and boom 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 you could spend all day every day all weekend long in hey, there that's and what we do
0: in our research yeah. lab <laughs> so, but, you know.
2: and you know it's not that things can't change uh Absolutely. there's certainly the data and the amount of radiation mm-hmm. that's presented and the type of study and things do evolve mm-hmm. you know just like years ago how flora was utilized there were a lot of truly, you know, more deep and invasive studies that were done in fluoroscopy that have migrated to CT and MRI. Mm-hmm, yep. IVPs that we used to do in fluoro is now mm-hmm. a CT primary study. And, you know, things do change and they yeah. do evolve. And so I would sure. say definitely the better relationship you have with radiology and the data that you can help provide, because that's not anything I can get, you know, yeah. that, that
0: helps. Yeah, so well, Jen, group. thank you so much thank for doing doing us. This is, problem. I think our SLPs um, will have a lot of good discussion. And um, if any interesting questions come our way, I'll shoot you an email. Awesome, yes. yes. yes.
2: i right. happy.